You're listening to the Quince podcast. At a time when George Floyd's death in the US has triggered a global outcry against police brutalities, India reported what is possibly one of the worst incidents of police brutality in the lockdown from the state of Tamil Nadu. In a twisted case, two ordinary people, Jairaj and his son Benix from Thutukuri or Tutikorin district who owned a mobile store, were allegedly tortured and killed in police custody over a minor violation, keeping their mobile store open 15 minutes beyond the lockdown curfew timings in the state. After spending three days in the lockup, on June 22nd, Benix died at the Kovalpatti Government Hospital from severe chest pain and within hours of his death, Jairaj breathed his last two at the same hospital. But there have been allegations of brutal torture. Imagine if a man doesn't have his backside. How atrocious is this? And these are not the findings of the post-mortem report. This we know by just seeing the dead bodies. Tell them to return my father's and brother's lives back. They tortured them so badly. I'm a girl, his sister. How can I describe this? I have not even been able to explain the details to my mother until now. That was Jairaj's daughter Persis breaking down while describing the state of their dead bodies. She, along with several eyewitnesses, have alleged extreme brutality at the hands of the police, including sexual abuse. But even as two FIs have been filed, no officer has been booked for murder charges yet. As more and more details emerged, Tutukuri erupted in protests and the incident also found its way to social media sparking a nationwide outrage. But between the allegations and the police's FIR, there are a lot of conflicting details and unanswered questions. What do we know about the events that led to the death of Jairaj and Benix in police custody? Why is it raising human rights concerns and protests against the police's high-handedness in the country? This will be a long podcast, but please stay tuned till the end where we'll hear from the International Director of Commonwealth Human Rights Initiative, Sanjay Hazarika. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Shorbri. Tamil Nadu is one of the few states that are still observing a lockdown to curb the spread of COVID-19. And like most states in the pandemic, there are curfew timings in place for shops and other establishments. On 18th June, policemen on patrol in Satankulam had warned stern action against 62-year-old Jairaj and his 32-year-old son as they had kept their mobile shop open beyond the permitted timings as dictated by the state administration. And the two immediately shut the shop and returned home. But the very next day, Benix's friends rushed to tell him that his father had been picked up by the police. Friends of the duo told the Quint that Sub-Inspector Bala Krishnan along with a few personnel had gone to the shop to question Jairaj when they got into a verbal argument leading to Jairaj being taken to Satankulam police station. When Benix got to know, he was told to come directly to the police station for further clarification and so he went. And it's from the very beginning that two different versions emerge out of this incident. One from the police and one from eyewitnesses and various other sources. According to the police's version, 
On 19th June, when they had asked the duo to shut the shop, they refused to budge. The FIR states that they verbally abused the police and rolled on the ground in defiance wherein they sustained internal injuries. And I'm reading out a few lines from the FIR. Quote, the APG mobile shop was opened beyond the timing stipulated by the state government. When the police questioned them, the father and the son sat on the road, rolled on the ground, used expletives and through this they sustained a few internal injuries. They told us that if we compelled them to leave, they will beat us and kill us. So that's what the FIR claimed, but CCTV footage accessed by the Quinn from the site of the alleged altercation shows that the father-son duo did not really create a scene as cited in the FIR. This is Smitha TK, senior correspondent from Chennai, breaking down the visual details of the footage. The Quint has accessed CCTV footage that has revealed a few glaring discrepancies in the FIR filed against Jairaj and Binix. 1. The FIR, which was filed on 19 June, alleged that there was a huge crowd that had gathered outside the shop. Now, the footage clearly shows Jairaj standing outside his shop, talking on his phone, Nobody around, just one or two passers-by just walking around, most likely the shopkeepers living in the area. A policeman is stationed near him and two policemen are seen patrolling the area and speaking to him. In a few minutes, they return to the van and then later Jairaj is seen walking towards the van. No crowds outside the shop, as alleged in the FIR. Two, the FIR stated that when the police questioned them, the father and son sat on the road, rolled on the ground, used expletives and through this they sustained a few internal injuries. Now the CCTV footage clearly shows that the people who are standing outside the shop informed Benix, the son, who is inside the shop until then, who walks out, peeps, looks towards the police van and then walks towards it. There is no altercation, no ruckus outside the shop, which negates the allegation made in the FIR. And Benix was not arrested by the police at the shop as written in the FIR because clearly Benix returns to the shop, makes a few phone calls and his friends are told that it was to his sister, lawyer and friends and then is seen uh, getting onto the bike of his friends who follows uh, the police van. Next, at the police station, when Benick saw his father being harassed by an officer, he tried to intervene, which provoked the police to thrash both the father and son for hours. And coming back to the FIR once again, according to the police, it was filed by Sub-Inspector P. Raghu Ganesh at 9.15pm on 19th June, based on information provided by Head Constable, but a lot of details in the FIR are being contested by eyewitnesses. Mani Raman, an eyewitness who's Jairaj's friend, said that when Benny asked the police about why his father was arrested, a cop stepped forward to hit him and chased him around the table at the police station. He told the Quinn that he stood there inside the police station watching all this until he was pushed outside where other friends of the two were waiting. One other eyewitness broke down the timeline of the events that occur on 19 June and said, and I'm quoting the statement, quote, at 7.45pm, the cops had come to the location. By 7.50pm, we were following the police van to the police station and by 8pm, everything was happening in the station. The FIR was supposedly filed at 9.15pm for keeping the shop open that late in the night. But in fact, at that time, both of them were being thrashed inside the station. Sub-Inspector Balakrishnan was the one who brought him to the station and Sub-Inspector Raghu Ganesh, who had signed the complaint, had joined in on the thrashing by 9pm. End quote. 
Another friend of the father-son duo told the quint about how they waited for Benix and Jairaj outside the police station as they got thrashed inside. We thought they will stop the beatings soon and they will let them go in a few hours. We waited till 1 a.m. but they didn't let them go. So here the first question arises. Why are there discrepancies in the timeline of the FIR? And moving on to the next day, after all the beating at around 7 a.m. on 20th June, when Jairaj and Benix were being taken to the hospital for their medical fitness test, their knees appeared to be badly hit. Benny, as Benix was fondly called by his friends, was bleeding profusely from everywhere along with his father. Their clothes were soaked in blood and they had to wear fresh clothes. When Mani Raman and their other friends got the father and son a cup of coffee and vada, they were shocked to find that the two were unable to even speak properly. And here's where an allegation comes up against the district magistrate. Before giving a remand order, the DM is supposed to ask the person if he had any internal or external injuries to verify if he was mistreated in police custody. But friends and family members and advocates have alleged that when Satham Kulam police approached district magistrate B Saravanan for remanding Jairaj and Benix, the magistrate automatically gave the remand order without physically examining the accused. Listen to Mani Raman, the eyewitness, describe the injuries. The cops told us to throw their clothes away. When we saw the two, they were dripping with blood and were badly hurt. Then at the hospital, the doctors were asking questions while they were surrounded by cops. How will they speak up? He told me to get him out of there. I had applied for a bail for them. We had to put a blanket on the seat where they were sitting so they don't slip away with all the blood. We still have that blanket. The father and son were then taken to Kovalpatti sub-jail around 100 kilometers away from Satankulam after the visit to the DM, after which the family had no news about the men till 22nd June, when they were shifted to the nearby government hospital. And it is here that they breathed their last. But since then, some very chilling details have emerged about the kind of torture that they had to allegedly face, including sodomy. So here's the second question. Why did the magistrates sign off the judicial custody if even the FIR stated that the two have internal injuries from rolling on the road? As these curious questions about the case arose, the whole incident started coming under the national limelight. Top sports person and politicians like Jignesh Mevani and Rahul Gandhi also took to Twitter to condemn the incident. Hashtag justice for Jairaj and Benik started trending on Twitter. Video messages by RJ Suchi and influencer Raj Mohan made the brutal alleged custodial murder the talking point on every social media platform. And speaking to the Quint about the case, Suchi and Raj Mohan say that they have no faith in the inquiry. During Black Lives Matter campaign in America, many police officers voluntarily raised their voice. They condemned their own colleagues' crime. By measuring with all international standards, what happened here is complete human rights discrimination. It's such a Uh, barbaric cruel act when are you going to raise voice sir what stops you madam there is a sea of evidence there are a lot of people willing to testify there are 17 to 18 shopkeepers in the area who are willing to testify to every single detail that they are talking about i do not trust the inquiry that's been commissioned i think it's a cop out the high court uh, has just delegated it to a magistrate and we know exactly what a magistrate did earlier also in this case who's one of the accused and needs to be prosecuted as well 
uh, magistrates at their level more often than not just blindly put signatures wherever the police tell them to and close the case that's that is the biggest cop out and i have no faith in that procedure right now as suchi said there have been some visible violations of the laws put in place to safeguard citizens human rights activist and international director of commonwealth human rights initiative sanjay hazarika elaborates on it um see there are specific cases concerned with one of many that has come out this is one of the worst that has happened in, in recent uh, months and years what it does is the outset is expose a total failure of existing safeguards to provide unchecked uh, you know protection against uh, unchecked uh, arbitrariness and impunity by the police mm. the first thing was you know uh, people who are in police custody have a right to legal representation and that is to legal their own lawyers or the legal aid uh, mechanism Now in this case, the police push the lawyers out from meeting, stop them from meeting Jairaj and Denix in police custody. Mm-hmm. Now there is also constitutionally mandated uh, mandated press production, what is called the press production before judicial magistrate of a person within 24 hours of his or her arrest. Mm-hmm. And by that time, they they were severely injured. Uh, according to witness accounts, the lungs or lungs were soaked in blood. Here, the magistrate demanded them to further custody. Right. Now, in this particular instance, uh, it's our view that the magistrate failed to review the grounds which the police had sought for further detention, hmm. or examine or record injuries on the accused hmm. on post production. and there is you know uh, there is a, a mandate and an advisory by the supreme court and advice by the supreme court is almost like an order that you should avoid remand in minor offenses in the wake of the pandemic right that's also been completely ignored and the fourth thing i'd point out is that the medical examination which is done um on the 20th of june at a government hospital recorded the injuries as abrasions so in these four uh, let me say 1 2 3 4 5 uh, 5 uh, points uh, there was a, a violation of law right. existing law and advice from the supreme court As the protests increased, the two sub-inspectors Bala Krishnan and Raghu Ganesh were suspended. On June twenty-fourth, a bench consisting of Justices P. M. Prakash and B. Pugalendi ordered the Superintendent of Police of Tutukuri to inquire into the incident and submit a status report. But the family and the protesters are demanding a murder case to be lodged against the police. Persis has even named eight policemen and four police volunteers, accusing them of beating her father and her brother in the police station. But the problem is that. This incident is not an isolated one rather it's a reminder of all the similar incidents that have happened in the past and gone into obscurity without any justice in its report released on June 26 2020 the national campaign against torture said that a total of 1731 people died in custody in India during 2019 and Uttar Pradesh and Tamil Nadu were the top two states Colonial methods of torture and beating up have become a pretty standard technique of policing in India and unfortunately beyond suspensions or transfers there has been no more real action to address the problem. 
Sanjay Hazarika says that even though there are checks and balances or legal mechanisms in place to prevent these incidents, there's a lack of police leadership and political support to see them implemented. Very simply, we are governed by colonial laws even in the 21st century. The Police Act goes back 150 years. The Prisons Act goes back almost that long. The Communications Act goes back 100 years or more. We are still governed essentially by laws which were laid down many years ago. Right. And uh, we need to see what, uh, you know, a, a lot of things can be changed. If, for instance, recruitment pays attention to representation, everything that can be done should is in print. You know, there's, there's enough in the CRPC and the IPC and the Supreme Court edicts which actually lay down what can and could not, cannot be done, or should and should not be done. Uh, but the point is that uh, the, the critical issue is lack of police leadership and the lack of political support or political leadership enabling these uh, orders to be implemented, these decisions to be implemented. That's really the, 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 the key question. Other than the concern that this is not the only such case of police brutality over lockdown violations in the country, there's also the problematic history of the two suspended sub-inspectors. A report on the News Minute says that both Balakrishnan and Raghu Ganesh have a long history of violence and older complaints against them that are being probed. But will they be finally held accountable? Mr. Hazarika says that while India has a lot of laws that deal with torture, the country doesn't have an anti-torture law. You know, all these are elements of dealing with the system, you know, but we need to go beyond reforms. We have to have a national law against torture. It's okay to say there are many laws which deal with torture, but we don't have an anti-torture law. And we need to sign the Convention Against Torture. India is one of 25 countries, including North Korea and a few other countries like that, which haven't signed which haven't ratified. We have signed it in 1997. We've been promising to ratify it through parliament or legislation or executive decision. We haven't done it for 23 years. Currently, a judicial inquiry is in progress. A post-mortem report has been submitted to the Madras High Court in a sealed cover and the Tamil Nadu government has transferred the case over to the CBI for investigation. But will this case be able to turn India's track record of custodial killings? If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quince website and check out our other podcasts. 